You're listening to Bose Podcast, the official podcast of Bose Cavern, Ottawa's premier upscale drinking society. Now here are your hosts, Matt and Taylor. Hey everybody, welcome to Bose Podcast. That is the official podcast of Bose Cavern, Ottawa's premier upscale drinking society. Welcome to our show where friends mix drinks, talk Simpsons, and celebrate love of all forms, whether it's the love between a man and a woman or the love between a man and a fine Cuban cigar. My name is Taylor Mitchell, and this is my always lovely co-host, the indelible and enduring Matt LaFrance. Matt, how are you doing today? What's new? Hey, Taylor. I'm doing great, thanks. Sorry, what was that? Indelible and... Enduring. Enduring. Oh, I'll, I'll have to look those up to figure out what they mean, and I'll let you know if uh, I should say thank you. I'll, sure. I'll say thank you for now. And Yeah, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure you'll get there. And we're also joined by our steadfast producer, Kevin Ballantyne, who also provides music for the show. Hey, Kevin. Hey, glad to be here. Today's a special day because we have some very special guests joining us. Jenna Lee is a founding member of Bose Cavern, former Simpsons trivia host, and one of my dearest friends. She's here today with Ed, a Simpsons aficionado in his own right. And they're going to share the story of how the Simpsons brought them together and what made them choo-choo choose each other. Oh, I love that. Thanks, Taylor. So nice <laughs> to guys. see you all. We really miss you. Oh, I miss you guys too. Jen and Edelie recently relocated away from our fair city, so they don't get the opportunity to join us in person. But now that we're back to living life remotely, um, it's good to be here together, apart but together, to borrow a cliche. <laughs> but we can pretend that we're all together in the same room. We can pretend yeah, that we're all together exactly. in the same room. I feel like, it- yeah, it's just like in real life. You know, someone's already kind of, you know, zoned out on the couch texting. <laughs> Which exactly. always eventually <laughs> we're we're cities apart but you can feel the love i you know it. it you know i, I feel, definitely I feel, feel it too i feel it too all right well today i wanted to talk about the simpsons and the love and of course there are so many great moments to choose from so i had to zero in on a couple we're drinking some simpson and son revitalizing tonic which of course grandpa simpson's own great-grandfather created as a cheap substitute for holy water simpson and son revitalizing tonic is ultimately the cure-all for Homer and Marge's waning sex life in uh, season six, episode 10, Grandpa versus Sexual Inadequacy. Homer and Grandpa take their elixir on the road, but hit a crossroads when Grandpa reveals that Homer was an accident. Talk about some family strife. We're also going to talk about I Love Lisa, season four, episode 15, where Lisa gives Ralph a valentine, which is ultimately misinterpreted by Ralph, and Ralph relentlessly pursues Lisa until she snaps on live TV. So what's in today's drink i am standing in for mixologist adam i have to say that this is a creative one so sometimes a simpsons drink is straightforward because we know what's in the drink or we have an idea from the episode about what's in it other times more creativity is needed uh but fortunately we have a very creative mixologist so today we're drinking simpson and sons revitalizing tonic which contains southern comfort which is a tip of the hat to homer and grandpa's southern gentleman outfits the way they were marketing their drink I thought that they looked like uh, Colonel Sanders. They, I think that's what they were going for. Like you, you got, you got, it's all about you know harn- creating that logo and harnessing that image, which I think they did pretty well. We've got some Fireball whiskey to add some spice. Red Bull for energy. Uh, we all saw the the pep in Homer's step when he tried the tonic for the first time. I believe the tagline was it, "It'll put the dowser back in your trousers." When he and the uh, ardor back in your larder. And the ardor back in your larder when he grabs Marge and rushes her up the stairs. <laughs> it contains tonic water. That's for the purists who point out that the drink itself 
itself is a tonic. And so we need some representation there. But the heart of the drink is pomegranate juice, which several cultures have traditionally viewed as an aphrodisiac. So it's perfect for a revitalizing tonic of that form. I Finally, didn't know that, really? It dates back to ancient Greece. At least that's what Adam claims. And I believe him. I think he's. I think his research is pretty uh, trusty on that one. Actually, a number of cultures view pome- the pomegranate as uh, an aphrodisiac. And in fact, its number of seeds is supposed to represent fertility and abundance. <laughs> so do it that way. Well. Ooh la la, exactly. <laughs> um, finally, garnish with a chocolate dipped strawberry for the romantic in all of us. This was actually one of my favorite Simpsons drinks, actually. It, it sounds like a bit of a mixed bag there with a lot of different types of ingredients, but I actually really enjoyed this one. So back to what you were saying about some of the drinks are very straightforward. I mean, on our last episode, a single plum floating in perfume served in a man's hat. Literally everything is right there in the title. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but this one, as you recall, uh, Grandpa Simpson just grabbed stuff from his medicine cabinet, tossed it in the sink and mixed it together. So yes, I applaud actually Adam's creativity on this one because he had nothing to go by. Exactly. And it it really becomes kind of all about just the the different parts of the episode, the different parts of the drink, the drinks that represent all those different pieces coming together into one, one cocktail that somehow also needs to be edible (laughs) and and actually tastes good. Props to Adam on that one. I think this one actually turned out really, really good. So you can check out our YouTube video uh, by searching for Bo's Cavern. You'll find the drink recipe as well as the drink card on Instagram. This one is worth trying out. Okay, so without further ado, welcome again to our guests, Ed and Jenna Lee. Edda Lee, welcome to Bo's hey. Podcast. How's it, how's it going, guys? It's good. We definitely miss being with you guys. We miss our monthly-ish routine of getting together, watching episodes, cracking jokes, going through basically everything we do here on the podcast, everything you do. Um, yeah, we miss all of that. I think that one of the things that bonded, that, that resulted in you and I forming a pretty strong bond is actually the Simpsons. Would you, would you agree with that? I feel like that's kind of like a, a language that we speak together. hundred <laughs> percent. Oh, it's like I, a common language plus like just a built-in level of trust with other humans. Like once you know that they're a Simpsons fan, like, you know, you innately trust them a little bit more. Exactly. No one that watches The Simpsons could be an evil man. Exactly. I mean, it doesn't hurt that you're a wonderful person, but I think The Simpsons really, you know, cranked our friendship up a couple more notches. I think so too. I think that, you know, once, when you moved away, I had a few moments where I would be in a group of people, group of friends, and, you know, normally you would have been there too. And I would make some Simpsons Joker reference. And then I would kind of look around and think, oh, nobody understood that. (laughs) That's kind of sad. It's kind of sad. That is, though, um, how I sort of, um, if I'm with a group of people that I don't know, I'll sort of just say a, a, a sort of obscure Simpsons reference that nobody else would get except for a Simpsons fan. And then I know who I can make friends with. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like a, it's like a dog whistle, right? Like to yeah. like call out to the people around you in an undercover way. You walk, in, you walk into a party and you just shout out dental plan <laughs> and if anyone responds Lisa needs with, braces and that's that's how you know who to hang out with <laughs> just, yeah. Yeah. I, I had a similar experience you know high school I had friends who also watched the Simpsons and yes we were constantly quoting Simpsons to each other my girlfriend at the times now my wife uh did not watch the Simpsons and so whenever she was with us and we're just tossing Simpsons references back and forth and she's just like giving me this weird look and now we have a 
established anytime I make some reference that she just does not get, it's like, it's a Simpsons reference. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, just, was, well, I was, I was just going to ask, cause how long have you been married, Matt? Oh, I should know the answer to this. <laughs> it's going to be 18 years this summer. 18 years. And in the last 18 years, has your wife ever become a Simpsons fan or will she watch with you? She will watch with me okay. and, and she appreciates the Simpsons, but it's not as though she grew up watching the Simpsons and has like seen all the episodes and you know gets all the, the references and and now she does occasionally throw out Simpsons quotes and that. And and actually, she just picked me up some lovely Simpsons socks there for no reason other than she saw them and is like, oh, Matt likes the Simpsons. So that's beautiful. You know, she's not, I wouldn't say hardcore Simpsons fans, but she certainly appreciates. So the reason I, that I ask is because I think one of, it, it might be one of the first conversations that I remember having with you, Jen, was um, I, I think it was you asking me, if I thought I could ever settle down with someone who wasn't a Simpsons fan. <laughs> I was just about to ask Matt that. I was like, Matt, like you're answering a very important question because like I've had several conversations in my life where it's like, you're among Simpsons fans. It's like, can you actually, like, could you be with someone that doesn't like the Simpsons? Like love the Simpsons actually. And I mean, it's, it's, working for you but i don't know it's what brought us together so it's pretty important in our lives there, there is something to be said for it you know i i mentioned earlier it's kind of like a language that we can all speak together um you know throwing out references and and sending memes back and forth and i i know that that's something that brings me closer together with people that even when i i can't see them very often when i think of my brother for example and you know we grew up watching the simpsons together and when we're together we're kind of back in that mode where there's a Simpsons reference, like at least once every couple minutes. And I think we both yeah. appreciate it that way. Mm-hmm. So, um, though, in terms of like, you know, establishing a relationship as a Simpsons fan with someone who's not, you don't have to share the same interests. I think, though, you should be open to what interests the other person, share what it is that interests you, and you should be willing to experience what interests them. Try new experiences, try new things. I'm trying to think with my wife. I had never seen the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which she was a big fan of. And she introduced me to that. And actually, I did not like musicals. And that one, I think, was the first real musical. It's like, okay, this is fun. I don't know. I guess maybe I had like sound of music in my head, like all musicals are like this or cats or <laughs> you know, something like story that. But yeah, so so now I have a, an appreciation for musicals. I feel like there must be a line between, you know, someone who, you know, they're they're ambivalent, you know, they can take it or leave it. They can they can see the Simpsons socks and think, oh, my husband likes those. I think I'll buy. I think I'll buy them for him. And someone who thinks what a waste of time. <laughs> exactly. I think it so, wouldn't work. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I there, think I'm agree on that There's one. that difference. Like, there's definitely deal breakers in relationships. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, there's definitely deal breakers. There's things she likes that aren't quite my cup of tea, but that's fine. I don't have to like everything she likes. She doesn't have to like everything I like. I think you just have to be open to that, though. Mm, yeah. You're so mature. And, and sort of respect <laughs> that the fact that they like it. Yeah, you know, okay, fine. You don't like The Simpsons? That's okay. As long as you respect that I like The Simpsons, yeah. you know, we're good. It's beautiful. Now, Star Ed, Wars, that's a deal Ed. breaker. um i'm going to cop to something which is that i've never seen star wars (laughs) so you are tuning in to the very last episode of bo's podcast until we can find a new co-host i've been i've been fired on camera that's i think i think we we may have just lost half our listeners i don't know (laughs) 
for the record, I don't have a problem with Star Wars. You know, um, you know, one of one you, of my one of my closest friends. It. You respect. I I respect it. One of my closest friends um, is a huge Star Wars fan and has Star Wars tattoos. And um, you know, like like she has tried many times to get me to watch them with her. And I my problem is just that I always fall asleep when movies come on. So I've never I've never made it through. But you know, maybe I'd like to someday you know, the room is dark and no one is expecting you to interact with them. And I just I have a tendency to fall asleep. I'm um, in the exact I, same boat. And Ed has like a categorical knowledge. Like he can recite like the entire plot of like every movie he's ever seen. And I'm like, yeah, I think I saw that, but it's because I always fell asleep in it. So it's yeah, all hazy in my I, I definitely told her the entire movie, like scene by scene of Aliens. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and i fell asleep during that retelling the other problem that i seem to have is that i don't remember a lot of movies or a lot of books oh. i consume media and i don't often retain it i don't Just... have that problem with the simpsons interestingly enough but you know oftentimes people will ask me about a movie they'll ask me about a book and i'll say yeah i, I read that i saw that and then they'll want to talk about it and i'll say oh i, I remember nothing about it <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why The I'm Simpsons the is the exception to that rule. I, I want to say it might what? be because I watched it when I was so young. And I was, I was kind of formative in those years, those formative years <laughs> where things just, you know, you soak things up like a sponge. You know, some oh, people, yeah, yeah. some kids may have used that time to learn various languages or develop real skills. And I, I think I, you know, I, I think I used it well. Well, things yeah. well, I think it sort of explains for me why reruns <laughs> work so well for me, because I watched The Simpsons when it was new on Sunday night. And the next day or whatever, I'd see my cousins and they'd be like, oh, did you see this episode like do you remember this 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 i'm like i barely remember any of it <laughs> maybe that's why reruns work so well for me because i can watch them over and over and i don't know see new things as i watch them it's the power of the rerun you know i i'm the same way with with other shows that i watched on that i watched reruns you know seinfeld and friends and nowadays i I don't know about you guys. I don't really watch a lot of TV, you know, over the air TV or, or cable. So I don't really see a lot of reruns. Now, if I'm watching something, it's usually because I'm kind of intentionally choosing it. And so I think that there's something about, you know, that ability to kind of take things in, you know, passively when they're on, you know, you just watch whatever Simpsons episode is on or whatever Seinfeld episode or whatever. That seems to be gone in a way. I don't know that there's really ever going to be a show that I watch that many times again, just via syndication so i don't know okay but there's also another important point which is like the simpsons is so well written has so many quotable like moments that that helps us remember too right like we remember it because it is rememberable it's so awesome we remember it because it is memorable that is a very good segue into the question that i had for you guys which is that the simpsons had a, a big role in your origin story as a couple. And I was hoping that you would share that with us. You, you make them sound like superheroes. You know, here's their origin. The origin well, first of all, they are superheroes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Go back to the first issue. Tell us everything. All right. The origins of Jedi. Um, Well, I'll start. So it was that um, balmy end of summer 2019. I think the only virus anyone was talking about was a computer virus at that time. Mm, so true. And uh, Ed and I were both looking for love in in life generally. So that's kind of the you know frame of mind that we were both in at that time. We were both also doing the online thing. And Taylor is such a good friend. Like I think about this so much. How like I used to complain about online dating and how awful it was, and then I'd go off and then I'd start again, and then I'd complain, and she would just listen to me. And <laughs> like I owe you like ten years of friendship for that. Oh so. my gosh, I owe you about ten years of friendship too. We'll have to just Aww. keep paying off that debt. We love each other, it's but also do. I love that. <laughs> 
so yeah, so we were both, you know, looking for love. And I think you've spoken about this already on the podcast, like uh, Bo's Cavern, we had decided to host, I think it was our first trivia, right? The one that we did in the park. I think that was our first trivia. Um, so when we, we got on Narcity, right? We got on yeah. we got on Narcity randomly. <laughs> um, so <laughs> our our trivia event had stopped. Uh, the bar that was it was being hosted at um, had been sold. Um, and R.I.P. James Street Pub. R.I.P. James Street mm-hmm. Pub. We yeah. all owe that bar a debt of gratitude, and they made a mean club sandwich. Um, but and the in Philly any, cheese and the Philly cheese. Yeah, we were. It was a yeah. great bar. It was a it great was. bar. And uh, we, all, we all had some good times there, but you know, all good things must come to an end. And eventually we weren't able to have trivia there anymore. And so, so you we know, took both, matters into our own hands. We took matters into our own hands and, and we decided to organize trivia in the park. And somehow yeah. Narcity found out about it and publicized it for us. And do you remember, I was trying to recall, like, I think we had planned to do it in August and something happened. Maybe we got rained it out. It rained. Or- Mm-hmm. remember because we, we posted uh, a picture of donuts falling from the sky it's raining again <laughs> <laughs> so I think we got rained out in August so anyway we pushed it to early September we as Bose Cavern were there hosting it and Ed was there as a participant how did you find out about it Ed well I think I saw it in the Facebook group it was advertising um, you know trivia in the park and I remember just simply emailing and texting people that I knew uh, to assemble a team because myself doesn't have that great of a knowledge of Simpsons. I am a Simpsons fan, but to test myself against people who know Simpsons really well, it's kind of difficult. So I remember texting, messaging people, seeing if they could join me up for Simpsons trivia, and they said no. <laughs> Almost all of them said no. Who and uh, you know I was thinking of bailing as well, uh, but I just at that time you know I was trying to get out more, uh, you know dating and just like being building on myself. So I just thought, you know, what the hell? I'll go out and try this trivia thing. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah it, it, so then, <laughs> so, so we were hosting it, and I mean, revisionist history, like we always do these things, but. I believe I remember seeing Ed (laughs) and when I was like doing my portion of reading the questions he was like peering out from underneath this like really nerdy Canada hat that he thankfully doesn't wear anymore because he lost it (laughs) (laughs) he lost it or you threw it out (laughs) he lost it it, but somehow it was found (laughs) regrettably So I remember seeing him because he has such a great smile. So I remember seeing him like peering out from underneath his, his little Canada hat. It's so cute. Um, and I think he also does some revisionist history on our story because he will tell me like, well, you, you tell it. Yeah, well, I was at the trivia. Uh, you know, you guys were doing your thing. You know, Adam did his portion. Taylor, did you did yours. And then Jenna Lee comes out and she does hers. And I was, you know, kind of smitten a bit. I was like, it's just one of those things like you, you take notice and, but then, you know, like after it was all done, it's just, you kind of missed your opportunity. I, I just, I remember that. Like, I, I'm like, ah, man, may, maybe I should have said something at the time, but uh, I missed it. So that was that i remember um wondering if she was actually with someone like someone from the bose cavern group because there's like kevin and there's ian uh one of the other 
members of Bo's Cavern. And I could tell Amy and Adam were together. So I, I wasn't too sure what Jen Lee's story was. So I was just kind of like wondering, could it be that guy? Could it be that guy? And you were, of course, thinking, you know, I can take him. <laughs> <laughs> if it came down to a challenge, right? You know, it came down to a duel. I had the hat over my head, right? Like, you know, it was very low key of me to just kind of like stay in the background. I think we had a group photo and you, I'm still in the background. Yeah. That's the I, introvert in me. I dug out that photo recently. I can't remember why, but I, I, I saw you in it and I, I appreciated it. I, I like that that photo was taken. It's, uh, a, little, it's little a trip nice, down memory lane. It's a little trip down memory lane and it's a nice little marker to the beginning of, uh, of your guys' relationship. I know. I love that we have a photo there. So even though we didn't talk that day, according to both of us, we noticed each other. And well, you also, did, you did talk that day. You talked with your eyes. Oh, that's true. We talked with our eyes, and Ed made a mark. I would say, didn't didn't he get second place in the Mo sketch portion of the event? So one of the rounds, I think it was like the bonus round, was to draw like from memory a picture of Mo. And I'm pretty sure he got the second place in one uh, little toy that Amy had brought. So anyway, we love that we have a photo from that day, even though we didn't really know each other then. So we didn't talk, but then we were doing online dating, both of us. So I think it was probably like a week or two later, I got a message from someone. And again, I was, that was a day where I was like, I'm quitting online <laughs> dating. I'm never doing this again. Like I'm wrapping up the profile here and deleting it. And uh, I got a message from Ed and he was like, I hope this doesn't sound like creepy or something, but like, I remember seeing you at the Simpsons trivia event. And I think one of my photos on my profile was from that day. There was a picture, I don't know if you guys remember, of all of us and holding Zoe. Um, yeah. So he reached out and I was like, ah, like trying to get off this thing. I don't know. So I had a friend that was like, no, no, give him a chance. So I gave him a chance and that meaning like you know I said okay like I'll I'll chat with this guy but I'm not going to talk to any more people like I'm not striking up any more conversations not doing anything like that so we started talking and uh definitely we talked a lot and had a lot of that sort of like written chemistry Ed is a excellent writer and he, he will probably be embarrassed for me to say this but like his online profile was remarkable in that like you can answer these questions about yourself and he had literally answered like 800 questions about himself. Like I'd never seen a profile like that ever in any of my online dating experience. So I was like, I think this guy's special. Nice. That's some curation right there. And one of the first sort of like conversations we had, I can't remember what we were talking about, but somewhere in there, he wrote like, um, why are you online dating? Like maybe your standards are too high. And like me, I like went off on some rants about like assumptions people make and all this kind of stuff. It was like a feminist kind of rant. And he, at the end of it all, he was like, oh, I'm sorry. I was just quoting the Simpsons. <laughs> like when Barney's <laughs> like, maybe your standards are too high. Did that so, won you over? That won me over among other things too. So that was kind of how it all began. Ed, good save. <laughs> yeah, well, it's the Amanda hugging kiss, right? <laughs> the wizard Amanda hugging kiss? Yeah. Yeah, I can't, it, it I can't was. Find, yeah, well, I can't, I can't find, find Amanda, Amanda hugging the hugging kiss. And like, your, maybe your standards are too high. That's what I was quoting. <laughs> so, Jan, you mentioned before that when you know that someone is a Simpsons fan, that makes them feel a little bit, I don't know, use the word safer 
I guess. That matter at all in the beginning when you guys were first getting to know each other? Obviously it was a common ground, but what did that mean for you guys when you were first together? Sure. Like I think, you know, if anyone has done online dating, they can probably relate to this. Like you're meeting a stranger and even though we didn't even talk on that day, kind of just having been in the same place, like meeting in person in real life, um, already sort of like raises that bar of whether you call it comfort or safety or something like that. So I think that, I think that that counted for a lot, like in, in the very beginning of our relationship before we really knew each other, for sure. The Simpsons bit has been a part of, you know, a number of things, whether it's just like conversing with each other, but really like bringing Ed into our group of friends, I think has been so fun and like really meaningful for him too. Absolutely. I mean, well, I don't want to speak for Ed because I know that you just said for him too, but from, uh, from our point of view, from my point of view, I think it's been great kind of bringing someone new into the group and rounding it out. And it's nice to, uh, to meet new people and, and bring them in and, and know that, you know, you share that kind of bond and know that when you're getting to know someone, you can just break the ice right away by making some kind of, you know, dental plan, Lisa needs braces joke. So, well, in my case, it was the, maybe your standards are too high and I got chewed up for it. So, <laughs> so maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe it doesn't always work, but you gotta uh, choose the right quote. <laughs> it earned you- that just speaks to that. You have to be careful which quote you go with. It can pay off or it can be very dangerous. Tread carefully. <laughs> Yeah, or you could be inviting a rant. Especially over texting. I think we were doing the texting at the time. You know, there's a lot of like misinterpretations that can happen. Having the quote marks over your quote really helps in those cases. The Simpsons have had a lot of different love interests over the years. Um, There's certainly been a lot of episodes that have been devoted to love. So I was just curious whether it's it's Laura Powers, whether it's Ralph, whether it's Jessica Lovejoy, is there a certain Simpsons love interest or, or a moment in, uh, in Simpsons that you guys can relate to? Oh, I love that question. The first thing that's coming to mind for me is something I relate to, but not necessarily in my relationship with Ed, more just like, we're going to talk about this because it's from I Love Lisa, but that scene, the, the intro scene, like everyone is putting the Valentines and everyone's like little boxes in the classroom and like Ralph sitting there so sadly like waiting to see if anyone will that scene is so painful for me to watch because like I I don't know about you guys but I feel like I can sort of relate back to like those times specifically like Valentine's Day first of all I think teachers nowadays give out a class list and like everyone's supposed to give everyone a Valentine but it wasn't like that when I was a kid like it was like you know, Wild West, like if you didn't get any cards, it's because you weren't popular. No one liked you. So like relating to that sort of like moment, but then also sort of that feeling of like unrequited love, I'll call it. My heart always just like really cringes and breaks every time I see that episode, because I'm like, it's so sad and yet it's so relatable. Like, I feel like everyone can relate to one sort of time of like unrequited love or just sort of feeling you know not seen or not good enough or not liked or anything like that in their life so that's the first one that comes to mind for me I actually have to say I I relate I find the episode hard to watch because I actually find a lot of Simpsons episodes kind of hit me in the feels and like I you do feel bad for Ralph because you know obviously he just wants to be liked and he just wants to fit in and and he doesn't but I also 
have to say the episode hits really differently watching it as an adult, especially as an adult woman, because I think that we've all been in one of those situations where we have to pull out the whole, um, me no speak English. I'm married to the sea. I don't want to kill you, but I will, <laughs> you know, one of, one of those I'm excuses. not gay, but I will learn. <laughs> exactly. I think we've all had to pull out one of those excuses, at least at some point. And I couldn't help but actually feel really sorry for, for poor Lisa in this one, because she really does spend the whole episode, you know, trying to put Ralph's feelings first and, and not, not speaking her truth until she kind of explodes at the end. But the whole thing is just kind of painful to watch. Cause I think that we all go through that. Totally. I'm so glad you brought that up. Maybe we'll talk about it later when we talk about the episode, but something that it's a tailorism that I always have in my mind is you're not responsible for the emotional labor of making sure that someone else is okay. So like in, yeah. in Lisa's case, you know, she's a very compassionate person. So, you know, what she does makes sense. And I appreciate that to a degree, but then at the same time, like she's not responsible for doing that emotional labor of making sure that Ralph's okay, like forever if she doesn't like him back the way that he likes her. Exactly. Like it's, it's, um, you know, it's really an example of her kind of swallowing what she's feeling, which is probably the urge to just run away <laughs> um, in order to protect what he's feeling. And um, what, looking at it with, with adult eyes is a bit sobering. Um, I, I really feel for Lisa in this episode. All right. So let's talk a little bit about I Love Lisa. We've already gotten into it a little bit. So the episode was actually based on a real life experience of former Simpsons showrunner Al Jean, who once received a card from a third grade classmate that read, I choo choo choose you. Years later, he wondered if the girl had actually liked him. And let this led to the idea of Ralph taking things too far. Like many Simpsons episodes, this was based on a real life event. Of course, this one was reversed. It was more of a story of wondering if there had been some unrequited love. I actually think this was the first episode that gave Ralph a bit of a bigger role. You would be yeah. correct. Leading up to this episode, his personality traits, um, even his voice was not consistent across the episodes before this one. This is really the episode that kind of established his character. You know, everything from eating his crayon. <laughs> He's not allowed to use scissors. He's not allowed to use scissors. Exactly. It kind of cements um, Ralph as, as one of the one of the more quotable characters of the show, I would say. And it's also the first episode that establishes Ralph as Chief Wiggum's son. Yeah. That's what I was going to say was, yeah, it establishes that he's a Wiggum. It's a, he's a Wiggum. Exactly. Because yeah. in a previous episode, I think it's where they have like parent teacher night and we're in Homer's in the class that uh, Lisa's class. You can see someone behind him that looks like Ralph as an adult. I think they meant him to be the father. It was just this generic, like same hair as Ralph and just this generic character that looked like an adult Ralph. And I think at the time they thought that that would be Ralph's father. You guys find this inconsistency really sort of jarring. It was in, is the episode called Lisa's Pony? Like the one where she has a mm -hmm. pony? Yep. And like Ralph and maybe Wendell or some other like schoolboy is watching Lisa ride on her pony. And then they're like talking about how she's tamed it. And then Ralph says like, yes, but what man can tame her? <laughs> was it that line? Is yeah, that yeah. yeah, that's and exactly the line. He sounds like Nelson. Yeah, and he sounds like Nelson. And it's so like sort of like sexual undertones and it's just so not Ralph. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. that's like a weird, like as you're talking about like, non-Ralph kind of scene that happens before his character is actually developed from this point onward is like so much different than that. Yeah, it's almost kind of jarring, I find, watching those early episodes and seeing Ralph talk and just act so differently and sound so differently because 
I often don't because I was I was too young when The Simpsons was airing uh, the first time. So I largely saw everything for the first time in syndication. And a lot of the time I saw things out of order. So I never really had a real sense of when things were established, if that makes sense. So thinking that this episode in season four is the first time that we knew that Ralph was Chief Wiggum's son. It was the first time that we saw Ralph as the character that he was for the rest of the series. You know, that's that's a little bit odd to think about because I, I never would have noticed. So I am a sucker for any time the Simpsons does politics. And of course, in this episode, they were celebrating President's Day, a holiday which we don't know too much about in Can- here in Canada. We've I've never been to a President's Day pageant or anything like that. You know, I'm kind of glad we don't have a Prime Minister's Day here in Canada. <laughs> Prime Minister's Day. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad for that. I can I can name them all in order. And, and that's about it. Well, that's impressive. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciated the tribute to the lesser known presidents. This is the episode where I learned that William Henry Harrison died within 30 days of office. Yes. And four out of five of the presidents they name in that song um, were actually from the Whig party, which I found amusing. I thought you would like that one of them is named Taylor. Yes. Former President James Taylor. Former President James Taylor. (laughs) That (laughs) in the deep space Homer, when he says, you know, former President James Taylor, he was referencing Zachary Taylor. So. I always think of that one. <laughs> well, I I definitely um, can't name a single fact about former President Zachary Taylor. I think it kind of speaks to the, that that kind of stretch in, in early American history. You don't even even somebody like me who who studied American history, you, you don't hear about um, too many memorable things done by Zachary Taylor. So I appreciated the the tribute in this song in this song and in this episode. There's Taylor. There's Tyler. There's Fillmore and there's Hayes. There's William Henry Harrison. I died in 30 days. And of course, Bart being cast as John Wilkes Booth, which was, in my opinion, the perfect casting choice. Hasta la vista, AB. (laughs) (laughs) Which, of course, comes from Arnold Schwarzenegger as the Terminator. Unhand me, Yankee. Unhand me, Yankee. (laughs) You're next, Chester A. Arthur. (laughs) And of course, before he plays John Wilkes Booth, he gives us his Nixon impression. He pulls his pants down there. <laughs> I am not a crook. It's actually quite like kind of vulgar. I, I don't like watching that scene. I find it disturbing. They certainly like to skewer uh, Nixon on the show. Not to say that Nixon doesn't deserve it, but mm-hmm. he was a uh, popular target on the show. He was. Deservedly so, I would say. Everybody should listen to the first season of Slow Burn if you haven't. The episode generated a bit of controversy that I did not know about, stemming from Skinner's Vietnam flashback when he explains to the children that Valentine's Day is not a joke. And he launches into a flashback that is a fairly clear parody of Apocalypse Now, <laughs> including characters, which is a movie that I actually stayed awake for, um, which includes um, characters that resemble Chef and Mr. Clean. So apparently a Vietnam veteran actually wrote in an angry letter about the scene, accusing it of making light of uh, the horrible experiences of Vietnam veterans. Uh, And the writers ultimately ignored the letter, given the obvious Apocalypse Now parody and noting that Matt Groening's brother, who was also a Vietnam vet, uh, found it hilarious. That's not the first, or maybe it is the first, but it's certainly not the last time that they did a Vietnam flashback for Skinner. No, definitely not. I think there were... I guess they did ignore that letter and they're like, you know what? We're going to do more Vietnam <laughs> references. I like it. I, I, I enjoy that type of, um, I don't know, stick it to the man response. And of course, the this man is- in this case being a Vietnam veteran. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Take that veteran. Take that veteran. No, I appreciate any response that kind of, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. It's like sticking to your values or beliefs, even if like public opinion wants to push you otherwise. 
Exactly, because the, the Simpsons got so much pushback for being indecent, for being a bad example for kids, a bad uh, model for the American family. And I appreciate that in so many of these instances, the writers, um, you know, they didn't really pay it any mind and, and where they could, they had fun with it. So I, I, I think, think that's what I'm kind of getting at. I think for the Simpson writers, they established a philosophy that nothing is sacred. Everything is fair game. And they certainly, they went after everything. Like, as you talk about politics, you know, they went after Republicans and Democrats, I'd say fairly equally. Absolutely. This episode is actually the first appearance of uh, Bill and Hillary Clinton on the Simpsons. For Krusty's uh, 29th <laughs> annual special. Exactly. And, and and the Simpsons certainly poked a lot of fun at Bill Clinton over the years. That's a pretty awful law. Well, I'm a pretty awful president. <laughs> that one shocked me when they went that, like <laughs> saying outright that Clinton was an awful president. I always thought their politics leaned a little more left than right. So yeah, I think I that's know. I think just, that's fair to say. And this is, of course, the episode that establishes the ultimate Valentine's Day song in our pop zeitgeist, which is, of course, the Monster Mash. I can't think of a more romantic song. And nor can I. It's beautiful. It's um, a true expression of love in that song. So The best part of this episode is we get it not once, but twice. <laughs> yeah. The present Zombies day. coming together, holding <laughs> each other in check. <laughs> You played the wrong song, didn't you? <laughs> poor, poor Marty. Poor Marty. Poor Marty. What do you think is the most romantic song that they've had on The Simpsons? That they've had on this? Are we talking about like a real song that was played or a Simpsons Real song? or created for The Simpsons? I mean, I have to appreciate, um, I love a good parody and I've always had a soft spot for Ned Flanders. So I, I have to say, like, and I, I don't think this really counts, but I do appreciate Ned singing to Maude in this episode um, for Valentine's Day. He's uh, parodying Rod Stewart's uh, Do You Think I'm Sexy? Oh, yes. That, that was great. <laughs> I love that moment. Yeah. That gets, uh, yeah, that gets some love from me. My favorite is, oh, Margie, you came you, and you found, you found me, me a turkey. A turkey. On my vacation, my vacation away from, from work. work. <laughs> and then I'm still trying to, I'm still kind of just, you know, spitballing here, but Barry White appeared, of course, on Whacking Day and saying, can't get enough of your love, baby. That's uh, that's a classic right there. Oh, sorry. Larry White. It says here, Barry White. I think I know my own name. <laughs> <laughs> well, one that came to my mind was the one that, uh, what was it, in Apu's Garden, Elton John sang? Oh, um, no, Elton John sang to, well, to Apu and his wife or something. It's a version of uh, your song, your, but the, your lyrics, song. Yeah. the lyrics are for Apu. My gift is my song, and this one's from Apu. This one's from Apu. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, when, you, when you said Apu's Garden, I was thinking about uh, Maybe I'm Amazed, yes, which played that, right at the end of the episode. That's true. With, that, um, that's, that's really good, too. I was going to say is season 14, Break My Wife, when they had Jackson Brown on and he did a parody of Rosie called Marjorie, where Homer had the barbecue and, you know, just kind of celebrated Marge. And there's Jackson Brown playing a, a song to Marge. So I'm going with that one. All right. So now for some trivia. Um, and so this is going to be kind of a, a general trivia directed to Matt, to Kevin, and to our special guests, Ed and Jenna Lee. Whoever wants to answer should just raise their hand and I will invite you to speak. All right. What happened to Ralph's red crayon? Matt. He ate it. He did. I uh, wonder how it tasted. I'm going to go with not great. Probably just like eating a candle. I think it tasted like cherry. I've maybe nibbled on a crayon before and it's waxy. <laughs> I feel like we really learned a lot about you, Ed, there, right there. <laughs> it's all about being vulnerable and, and sharing our truth. This is a safe space. 
What event does Krusty host, which Bart wants to attend? Matt. The 29th anniversary special. Yes. Question three. What gift does Ralph give Lisa? And what does the note that comes with it say? Jen. We can mm. share it, okay? Do you know what the <laughs> note in the trunk said? Don't say it. It's not. Okay. Ooh, team effort. So, <laughs> it was a Malibu Stacy car, convertible, I think, right? And yep. what did it say on the note? It said, look in the trunk. I think well, he I means think trunk. He means trunk. <laughs> <laughs> and what was in the trunk? Or Tickets to the 29th anniversary special. Yeah, yeah. Question four. Name Krusty's favorite sideshow. Jen. Was it Sideshow Rahim? It was. <laughs> yeah. Who did Ralph beat out for the role of George Washington in the school play? I, I guess you could use the word beat out liberally here, Matt. I believe his name was Rex. It was. Ugh, uh, that guy was so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Can I can I take a minute to just defend Rex here? I mean, he's obviously the better actor and he's being beaten out because his father is misusing his badge. Rex may have if if he had followed through, I think he would have overplayed the role and it would have been tiresome. I think Ralph stepped up and he played the part perfectly. Yeah, Ralph, um, Ralph's an amazing actor. Rex with his broth line. That was like so terrible. Like you can't even <laughs> You can't even step up and do that line. I, I love the, the response, <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, problem. away with you, lest my cane meet your backside. <laughs> I will I will give Ralph credit for his performance, uh, which is obviously inspired. But um, got to say, I, I have some sympathy for poor Rex. Hopefully he went on to do good things. Why was Fire Drill Follies a failure? Jen. Uh, because they started them with a fire drill. <laughs> yep. And everybody left. So Skinner's mother was right. It was his fault. <laughs> uh, who does John? Who does John Wilkes Booth, played by Bart, uh, target next after assassinating Lincoln? Oh, I got this one. Yeah, Matt. Your next Chester A. Arthur. <laughs> That's correct. Question eight. I love the gun he had. Little uh, <laughs> ping pong. <gun. laughs> Yeah, I love everything about Bart's performance. He's he he forget Ralph. He's the one that stole the show there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who are the lesser known presidents? There's I, five of them. Matt. There's Taylor, there's Tyler, Fillmore, Hayes, and Harrison. You got it. As we established, who died in 30 days. <laughs> I'm not singing the song here, but you know. So. Why did Wiggum consider his story child appropriate? Kevin, go for it. Because he keeps his pants on this version. You know it. Um, and the last question. Homer declared that he wouldn't return to the Quickie Mart after Apu charged him $100 for a dusty heart-shaped box of chocolates. How did Apu lure him back? We'll give it to our special guest, Jen. I was just going to say I'll defer because I'm not totally sure. All Expired right, well, something. Well, then we'll give it to producer Kevin. Uh, nickel off on an expired baby food. You got it. Well played, everybody. Well, Jen, Ed, thank you so much for being here with us. Um, it's been great talking to you guys and uh, hearing a little bit more about your your Simpsons-inspired love story. Um, but it's also just great to connect with you guys, with members of Bose Cavern and, and friends that we don't get to see that often anymore. So thank you for being here. And thanks to you guys for being there from the very beginning. It's really mm. special for us. Thanks to our producer, Kevin, who is always steadfast 
And thanks to you, Matt, my indelible and enduring co-host. Please give a like to Bose Cavern at the podcast platform of your choice. We are on, I believe, all of them. And give us a like on Facebook and Instagram as well, Bose Cavern, where you can find a plethora of cocktail recipes to get you through these cold winter nights. My name is Taylor Mitchell. His name is Matt LaFrance. We will talk to you next time.